Thank you for joining us for this week's sermon podcast from the First United Methodist Church of Parable. We'll continue to share the reading of Scripture today from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, the Beatitudes. Uh, this is typically the Gospel text we read on All Saints Sunday. So I invite you to hear Jesus' words of comfort. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Will you join with me in a spirit of prayer? Yes, God, we gather today with gratitude in our hearts. We say thanks for your invitation to be together in this hour and in this place set apart, to be alongside one another as we share in fellowship, as we offer our voices and song, as we make our gifts and offerings, as we hear from your word and prepare to come to your table. God, we do so today with the saints of the church gathered around us, remembering and giving thanks for those who came before who continue to inspire and guide us even in our lives. May you speak now through this moment, through my words, perhaps in spite of my words, to these your people. Remind us that our hearts are always invited to be lifted up in your presence, to be knit together with one another and those who came before. These things in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Um, Pastor Celeste Cannell Shank uh, was a part of a a particular uh, a church community in Washington, D.C. called the Community of Christ. It was a Lutheran church that began in the 1960s. Uh, but beginning in the 1960s, it began with a particular emphasis on sharing in ministries within the neighborhood and caring for one another and caring for those who are in need. And so they weren't your typical congregation. Of course, they had Sunday worship and Bible studies and things of that nature. But they really focused on, on living together and, and bearing one another's burdens in life and caring for one another. She's been involved with a few interviews. She's working on this book with other people to try to recount the history of this congregation and its unique ministry. It actually closed in 2016 because of the way times had changed, demographics had changed. And so they're trying to remember and to give thanks for this church. Uh, they did funny things, like because they lived by, s- beside one another, they, they shared things that they could. She says she remembers them sharing a ladder. Uh, a ladder is a thing that they shared. Uh, she remembers a number of the households sharing a car. Because they were in D.C., they used public transportation. They used a, shared a car. She said she even remembers sharing a waffle iron uh, with other people in the church, right? Uh, whose weekend was it to get to use the waffle iron, right? So not only did they share things within the church, but they took care of those in the community, providing housing and medical care and things of that nature. And so she's writing and, and reflecting on this church, and, and I, I just found an interesting quote from her. I thought I might begin the sermon with this. I invite you to hear her words. She says, lay people, that is church members, are so integral to these communities. The people who made up the community of Christ Church were primarily people who had other jobs, 
we sometimes don't realize how much we need from each other. Growing up in the community of Christ Church, with almost all of my family two hours away, the church members were our emergency contacts. They were people who showed up for me in some of my most difficult moments in life. They showed up for my family. There's an enormous benefit to being a part of a faith community, a community that took a risk to say, hey, if you're going through a hard time, we will not let you go through it alone. I like Pastor Cannell Shank's description of this church community, particularly as a way to frame our worship here on All Saints Sunday. If that phrase, All Saints, is new to you, I hope today through the service and through the preaching you'll grow to appreciate and understand a little bit more of what we mean. Sometimes when we use the word saints, we mean it in the more technical sense. When we think about the, the big capital S saints, the saints of the church that were canonized by the Roman Catholic Church or recognized by other church traditions, we might call them St. Paul or St. Peter, St. Ignatius, Ignatius of Loyola, uh, other saints across history that were officially recognized for their contributions to the faith, remembered and celebrated. But on All Saints Sunday, we gather not only to remember and give thanks for those capital S saints, but we remember and give thanks for those lower S saints as well. Just as Pastor Canel Shank was describing there in her remembering her church growing up, it is the church members, it is the people who go to church with us, who worship alongside us, who take care of us, it's the members of the church who make the Christian life possible. It's the members of the church that make the Christian life possible by caring for one another, inspiring one another, leading one another. This is the small S saints. Those who came before us in our lives, in the life of our, lives of our church, or in even other churches that helped to make our Christian life possible. And so today we're going to give thanks for those people remembering what they meant among us. You can see on, your, on the front of your bulletin the, the graphic for the sermon series. We're continuing to, to talk about the saints. We kind of began this last week. Today, of course, is All Saints Sunday. Going to continue with some of these themes for a couple of weeks and want to do so through the lens of 1 Thessalonians. I won't say everything I said last week. You can go back and watch that or read that if you want. But just to remind you, when we talk about 1 Thessalonians, we're talking about the oldest book in the New Testament. Uh, this is why it's particularly interesting to me for this series. This is the earliest Christian writing that we have, probably dated to A.D. 48, 49, or 50. When we talk about Thessalonians, we're talking about a letter back to the people in the city of Thessalonica. So if you can imagine Jerusalem where Jesus' ministry uh, began and took shape, now we're moving to the west. So Paul's on this missionary journey that takes him up around the Mediterranean Sea all the way to the Aegean Sea to the city of Thessalonica. It's a major port city. Uh, people are traveling in and out of that via boat and on other trade routes from the east to the west. And so this is one of Paul's stops where he uh, visits with the local people and tries to convince them to follow Jesus. And he has some success, though he also has some challenges. And so what we're reading today is when we read other epistles, we're reading Paul writing back to a church and describing the, the life of faith and encouraging them and offering advice and wisdom. So just to remind you a little bit of the context, and then I want to look at some of the key words and phrases in this uh, reading from 1 Thessalonians as a way to think about All Saints Sunday. So to me, there's sort of three, three little sections I want to unpack with you, three little points. The first being that suffering is not in vain. The second, that we came without flattery and were gentle among you. And the third being that we deeply care and that you are very dear to us. These are all Paul's words writing to the community of faith. The first thing he says, is, as Sarah just read, is that when we were on our missionary journey, including as we came through Philippi and as we made our way to Thessalonica, that we endured great suffering and, and tribulation, right? 
the stories of, of Paul's challenges and ministries are well recorded in Acts and the referenced in his letters. We know that Paul was shipwrecked. We know that he was beaten. We know that he was imprisoned. He often faced significant obstacles when he went into a new community to share in ministry. And so the list of Paul's sufferings, the challenges that he faced in ministry, were well known and even shared with the church there in Thessalonians. But Paul makes this remarkable claim that's important to his ministry. He says that, that though we suffered and though we faced significant trials, uh, it was not in vain. Right? It was not in vain. And instead, God worked through our suffering for the sake of those who might come to believe. That in witnessing the suffering of other people, that in witnessing the suffering of these early disciples of Jesus Christ, others were inspired to follow in their footsteps. I'm sure you're aware of the news surrounding the death of, of Matthew Perry, the, the uh, longtime actor on the sitcom Friends. Um, if you're not aware, Perry struggled for many years uh, with addiction and, and the challenges that come with that, and, and those have been recounted uh, really, really clearly in his own memoir uh, titled Friends, Lovers, and the Big Terrible Thing. Uh, he includes in his story 14 trips to rehab, 60 attempts at detox, and 15 stomach surgeries but in that book where he writes about his experience going through uh, the being a star and, and being an addict and the challenges that that created he also reflects on how his life of faith took shape now this is kind of a, a long quote but I want you to hear Perry's words this morning when he reaches his bottom he puts it this way I hated myself this was a new bottom I didn't think I could get any lower than my previous bottom but I had managed to do it I was a desperate man, drugs and drinking, things were so bad I couldn't even cry. But then I noticed something, a crinkle in the atmosphere. Someone who was not at their bottom might not have even noticed it, but I noticed it, a little wave of air. Was I dying? Was this the end? I frantically began to pray in desperation, God help me, God help me, show me you are here, God help me. And as I prayed, the little wave of air transformed into a small golden light. The light grew bigger and bigger until it was like I was on the surface of the sun. I did not get scared, for I knew that I was in the presence of God. For the first time in my life, in the presence of love and accepting the overwhelming feeling that everything would be okay. I cried, I shaked, I shuddered, but I felt safe and taken care of. I was sober for two years based solely on that moment. God gave me a sliver of what my life could be. Now, Perry's story is a complicated and difficult one, but he has this wonderful testimony in the middle of his life as he reached his bottom, as he saw it, that despite the immense challenges that he had faced and he had crea created, that he still knew and experienced the presence and the love of God. When Paul writes to the church in Thessalonica, he says that our suffering was not in vain. One of the challenges when we think of those who are near to us, our family, our friends, our loved ones, is that we often watch them suffer. In fact, if you're near to anyone over any length of time, you will watch them suffer. You will be near to them when they go through something difficult and painful. In fact, that's, that's one of the pastoral gifts as well, is that we often are with people in the worst moments of their life, sometimes the moments leading up to their death. And, and one of the, the odd gifts about that is when we see people at their lowest and at their worst and in their most difficult moments, is that's often when we also see God at God's best. When people reach their proverbial bottom, when they, when they come to the end of the rope and they, they turn to their faith, 
we see God at work in their lives in new and remarkable ways despite the suffering they're experiencing. That's some of what Paul is saying to us today. That those near to us who we remember and give thanks for on All Saints Sunday, that they testify to the love and light of God even in their most difficult moments. That they showed us what it means to turn to their faith, to trust in God's peace and care when they had no other options. And so today, like Paul with the church in Thessalonica, we give thanks that their suffering was not in vain. That instead their suffering was a testimony to us of God's presence and goodness. The second section, Paul describes his ministry. It, it's clear that there's maybe some, um, some need to defend himself. Maybe Paul's under attack. Maybe people are challenging his ministry. And so he describes his ministry with the church in Thessalonica. He says, you know, we didn't come with words of flattery. We didn't come with human greed, right? We came uh, gentle. We came gentle among you. And so as Paul's describing the, the ministry, maybe defending himself against those who are judging him, we also get a sense of the, the deep, deep relationships that came in the early church. When we spend time together with one another, particularly difficult times, uh, the strength of our relationships is often heightened. And that seems to be the case for Paul and the church in Thessalonica. We were not those sort of people who came with flattery. We were not the sort of people who might impress you. But instead, we were gentle among you. We came as our very own selves and ministered among you. And so Paul's making a unique point, right, that in, in ministry, it's often not the, the preacher or the teacher or the one who stands up on Sunday morning who has the education or the right words. In ministry, the people who often share with us the gospel are the people near to us who love us with their own lives. Right? The people who show kindness and grace and goodness not because they're profound in some way, but because they're genuine and they're sincere and they're gentle. I think it's a helpful way to think about those who are near to us, particularly those of us who are remembering someone who's gone on. The way in which their lives modeled Christ's goodness and love and care. Uh, I was reading this week, I came across an author, Heather Havreleski. She's kind of an odd last name, Havreleski. Uh, she's written a lot online about all things humanity, love, marriage, children, relationships. She has a couple of books, books in that vein as well. I came across a little, a little funny article she had written uh, reflecting on uh, time spent with her family at the beach for one week, right? Are you with me? Uh, and particularly reflecting on her mother and her mother's sisters, so her mother and her aunts, and the challenges and the gifts of being together for one week straight. And so she says this, those women had a lot of heavy emotional lifting to do through the week. Each sister had to be generous and cautious with their words, open-hearted and also self-protective, energetic and lively, kind and tolerant. That takes a lot of extra effort, especially when you're over 75 or you've been living alone. And yet they pulled it off. Yet they had also reached that point that everyone reaches now and again when irritation with others begins to bleed over and you think, these people are driving me crazy. <laughs> Who among us hasn't had that experience after a week-long summer camp or a week-long trip in the car or vacation? I like how she names both the funny challenges that come with that, but the emotional heavy lifting that we do for those near to us. As Paul says, if you're strangers to someone, you can hide behind flattery or trickery or smooth talking. But when you really spend time with people, when you're in their family or you're a close friend or you work together or you share a, a long-time relationship, you, you can't hide from one another. 
That's sort of what she's talking about here. A week at the beach together in one house, you can't hide from one another. And because you can't hide, it requires a certain sort of tenderness and care and grace and kindness. We have to be careful with those whom we love and whom we know. We have to honor their feelings and their perspectives, their hopes and their dreams. And we all do that every day with those close to us. That's, that's kind of what Paul's saying about his ministry with the church in Thessalonica. It wasn't a ministry of flattery or, or persuasion. It was just about sharing one's own self. And through the self, God's uh, good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, is shared. That's one helpful way to think about those who came before us. The last thing that Paul says is that, um, I really like this phrase. He says, we, we came to you uh, because we deeply care for you. And we deeply care for you uh, because God has invited us to love you in this way and that you are now very dear to us. I want that phrase to be sort of our guide today, thinking about those who are very dear to us. This is what happens in the life of the church and in shared ministry, that we go from strangers to friends and from friends to those who are very dear to us. Today on All Saints Sunday, you have a bulletin insert of the names of the church members who have died this past year. Now, I know not all of you knew all of them. We're a large enough church that we worship in different places and we're involved in different ministries, so it's not expected that you would know all of them or know them well. But I want to say real clearly today that each of these people were very dear to us, very dear to our church, to our community. They're very dear to their families, their spouses, their children, siblings, grandchildren. And so we can hear echoes of Paul's relationship with the church in Thessalonica and our relationship with these people. Mike and Wilma, Scarlett and Bob, Marianne and April, Steve and Kenny, Theta, Lisa, and Danny. On All Saints Sunday, we're invited to remember and to give thanks for those who are very dear to us. I hope that includes some of these people, but if you didn't know them well, that's fine. Surely there are others in your life who have died in this past year or even in years previous who are very dear to you. On All Saints Sunday, I always think of my great-grandparents who I got to know well, my grandparents who I knew very well. Many have passed on now. I think about Jill's grandparents who I got to know well who are not with us anymore. I think about a few friends who died tragically young. I remember them today. I think about teachers and professors, others who were dear to me. And so I invite you today to remember and to give thanks to those who were dear to you as we celebrate their life and what it meant to us here in this world, but also their life that is now at rest in peace and in God's love. On All Saints Sunday, we imagine ourselves as this individual here in black who is kneeling and praying. And we, are remember, we remember that we are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, all of those who came before us, our parents and grandparents and Sunday school teachers and pastors and friends, those who came before us across the decades and centuries of the church, all the way back to Jesus Christ himself. All of those little S saints who will not be remembered in history books, they will not be uh, celebrated in any grand way. Most people will not even know their names, but to us, they were the life and goodness and grace of God. Today we give thanks for them. 
In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about First United Methodist Church by going to our website at www.fumcparagold.org. May God bless you this week.